I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. All right, uh, Cannonball Golf Pod is back after a long, long, long layoff. Um, we're going to start with the gambling show, the Cannonball Golf Gambling Show, brought to you by Cannonball Golf, which is another way of saying the ad space is open. But uh, no one wanted to, no one wanted to sponsor us. Uh, you don't even know this is happening. But uh, we're back. Um, sorry for the long delay, but uh, we'll bring you bring you some some good stuff here. Um, name the Campbell Golf Gambling Show is uh, a work in progress. I'm sure we'll come up with something better in the long run. We'll just come naturally, but. Casual gambling. This isn't big money gambling. This is just regular old Joe Schmoes putting a few bucks on, a few bucks on tournaments. Uh, no advanced analytics here. We'll probably use some kind of logic, but whatever stats we lean on won't be logical whatsoever. Um, and there'll be heavy, heavily pers- personal bias picks along the way as well. But uh, yeah, so this is. There's tons of daily fantasy lineup podcasts out there. Uh, you can go to, you can find those everywhere. We're not, we're not focused on that. This is going to be good old school bookie gambling. Bet on who's going to win. Top tens, top twenties, heads up, stuff like that. Or if you're in Pennsylvania, Illinois, Jersey, Vegas, you know, you know, I need a bookie. It's legal now. But uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Stu's not here. Usual gamble, usual comrade. So brought in a friend over here, Mr. Randy Randolph. Well, welcome. Thanks. Uh, thanks oh. for joining. Thanks for joining us. Talk a little golf gambling. Thanks for having me. Um, you're a fellow non-expert, just like the rest of us. Uh, yep. What's uh, before I even get into golf gambling? What's uh, just super brief golf history with you? What's your golf background? Super recreational. Pretty, pretty extensive, isn't it? Hardly, hardly. Super recreational. Uh, a handful of rounds a year, usually too busy burying my head in a pool when I was growing up. Uh, occasionally now it, now I get out here and there. Um, had a couple good rounds this summer. Uh, you, uh, we, you and I just played this past weekend. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a good you, one for me. Uh, you careered. Or did, was that career? Technically not. It uh, one off my best, but it was definitely a better round, harder course, harder conditions, harder competition. Uh, probably the two best golfers I ever golfed with and <laughs> get killed too badly. Um, only by five strokes, which is massive. If it was a handicap tournament, I would have wrecked you guys by probably double digits. Probably. Um, <clears throat> so your, your personal best is 83? 82. 82? 82. Up north, northern Michigan, treetops. Uh, okay. Shot 82 in the morning, shot 102 in the afternoon. Um, pretty big disparity. Yeah, one round couldn't miss. Next round couldn't, couldn't hit. Um, but, yeah, so either way, the 83 at Indianwood is a far superior score in the wind. Uh, 20 yeah. mile an hour wind, too. Up to 20 miles an hour gusts, links course uh, with two of the best golfers I know. So one of them being you. <laughs> well, so, appreciate appreciate that, Randy. 
moment. So try to keep up with the not keep up with the competition, but stay within my own game and still be able to score three birdies in one round. Never happened. Two twos in one round. Never happened. So two twos is awesome. That was amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, we've been trying to work on your game for the past few years now. It's starting to come together a little bit. It seems. Incremental improvements and trying to only work on one to two things a year as you should. There's no point worrying about 14 different swing changes, but trying to focus on a couple, just making sure shaft lean this year, uh, a little bit of a closed face, swing playing, those three things really is it. And I think they've given me better consistency. And I don't know what it is about Indian Wood, but the greens, they're just. You love them. You love them. Probably don't know how many one putts I've made, and I generally don't make that many one putts. So I think I counted up as only 29 putts for the round. Uh, so it's pretty good for me. I'll take it. Love it. I love it. Yep. Um, what's your uh, general gambling history? Also, yeah, you, you, you like some action? Yeah, I like, I like action more than I have control over a la poker. That's my <laughs> forte and preference but i dabble a little bit in the sports gambling usually highly unsuccessful um i'm more about the sure things uh i think i've hit one decent golf bet it was phil two years ago i don't remember which tournament he won it was wgc mexico or something like that when he came out of nowhere to win and like okay. 30 or 41 but small small money nothing major i mean yeah and picking golfers is difficult. And I think just like any other game thing, you need a pretty big bankroll. And I don't um, allocate much towards sports betting because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's high, like I said, highly recreational, high, highly for fun. Yes. Uh, we, are not, we are not data scientists. Uh, we don't – I mean, I know what, like, decision trees are but and what predictive analytics are, but – we're not going to apply that here because I don't know how to write code or algos or anything. <laughs> this is purely crack a beer, talk some golf gambling, and uh, have a good time. I thought, didn't we um, – did we think we – was it the British Open like a few summers ago? We thought we hacked – not hacked, but we thought there was like a leak in Bovada's website. Uh, well, you thought, I thought, did we think that we could like, it was, it was slow and we could beat them to the punch. You thought you could bet on, I think it was Ricky's score for a summer three. So it was my, so I alerted you that we thought that I, that we thought we could hack it, not hack it, but like that there was a leak. Yeah. But you or did you, or did you alert me? No, I think – no, well, so I think if, if we're thinking of the same instance, you we called me and, and we're like, hey, I think I'm watching ahead of Bovada's action. Yes. Uh, you dropped the bankroll on Fowler to Birdie? That's when I – yeah, so now I remember. Okay, I thought, I thought you had alerted me and I got it on the action. So, yeah, I thought – I thought like Bovada was lagging and this was like years and years and years ago. So like all sports gambling's like overseas and I had like a little bit of money, like three digits of money in that account. 
um, and thought that, no, the bet was if anybody in the group, they were playing threesome, so it was either Thursday or Friday, if anyone in the group made birdie on the hole, and I got the holes confused on the telecast. And <laughs> I thought, call it like hole four. I thought they were playing hole four, and like two of the guys like stuffed it to like three feet for birdie or something. And so <laughs> I laid the whole bankroll on it, and uh, at like whatever, four or five to one. And come to find out, I placed the bet for hole four. And then I heard the announcer say, on three, putting for birdie. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then four happened to be the hardest hole on the course. Course, which is like a 220 yard par three. Yeah, whoever Ricky had, there hadn't been a birdie on the hole all day. Nope. And I'm like, there's like, I, I think I laid like hundreds of dollars down. Yeah, I think like it was, a couple hundred dollars or something. I think it was like three hundred dollars. It was something like uncomfortable for me. Yes. And like I said, hard as hole. Ricky hit last. First guy like misses the green like 20 yards long. The other guy misses it like 20 yards short. Wind's blowing. And I'm like, he's got no shot. He has nothing to go off of stuffs it to like five feet and makes like a foot breaking putt for me to cash. I was I think, sweating bullets. I feel like the odds might have been six to one because I feel like it might I feel like the number eighteen hundred rings a bell in terms of like the take or something, but surprisingly big and like way like way too big. Like way, way too uncomfortable. Like yeah, a bet you'd never make if you in your right mind. Oh. <laughs> Never, not a chance. Never, never. Let alone three hundred. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, you got lucky. Was, was that British Open? No, it was definitely not a major. It was definitely a small tournament. I forget where. I have no idea. Um. Yeah. So, interesting gambling stories, as as we all have. Um. All right. As seen behind me, we have very long, thick grass. Which only means one thing. Oh, I shouldn't say that because USGA kind of messes with stuff from time to time. But 2020 US Open, Wingfoot this year. Uh, the rough is a big topic of conversation. Um, Very big. Five inches, I guess they're saying. Starting. So we'll see what it's like at the end of the week. I also heard Tiger saying today that they mowed it like a week ago or something. And they did what Augusta does. They mow it back towards the tee. So it's into the grain. So it's even worse. (laughs) I mean, that's just evil. I mean, they're just trying to punish people for no good reason. So like last time they had it, there was like 06, I think-ish. Ogilvy won with like four or five over. Uh, So they're anticipating same thing. Over par. Yeah. Um, what are some things you're like generally thinking about looking at, uh, with regards to like who you'd bet? I think you got to start with distance. It's tipping over 7,400 with rough that long. I mean, you're going to miss the fairway. They're not wide. So distance is going to help. I think a short player is 
I don't want to say he's going to have no chance, but you're going to have to hit almost every fairway because then pars are going to matter as opposed to trying to score, uh, minimizing the damage. I think that'd be your first thing, obviously. So in, if you can drive it accurately, if you can stay on the short stuff, you could gain strokes everywhere. Right. And then, but after that, if you, if you're off by a, in a foot or two, you know, then you got to scramble. So it's, it's, you know, it's going to be T to green as always, but I mean, there's going to be the emphasis with rough that I saw pictures where people were dropping balls and literally you could not find it. I mean, they were, I kept seeing headlines about how the spotters are going to have the hardest job. <laughs> You the spotters can't even find it. Talking about the spotters having to really work, then you know you got some gnarly, gnarly stuff going on. So, I mean, you know, you could say driving accuracy, and but I think driving distance is going to be more important because people are going to miss yeah. Do, but you know, if you can hit it 300 yards into the rough, you're better off than a guy that hits it 260. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be that combo of distance plus accuracy like this like this reminds me of like 2016 oakmont all over again like oakmont's like super friggin long super fast greens super long rough so you're thinking like you're thinking of like dj won that like you're thinking DJ, someone could move at 300 yards but still find fairways. I mean, it starts and stops with him, and then you pick the rest of the field, and you're the hottest golfer on tour right now, clearly on form. Um, You just got to see how motivated he is coming off of the FedEx Cup. And, I mean, he's only won one, so he's got – should have enough motivation to catch – that's not my quote. I'm just for dig it, dig it, dig it, little Brooks Kepka there, huh? Dig yeah, it, my I guy love, Brooks. I love Brooks. I love Brooks. I don't. I don't think the comment was justified or necessary, but I'm just saying he's only won one, so he should have enough motivation. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think motivation's a problem with him. And and frankly, without Brooks being in the field, he it, it's going to be an easier field. A healthy Brooks Kepka clearly would have been one of the top two favorites, no doubt. Yeah. No. So, yeah. DJ's going off at, what, like, eight and a half to one? Yep. Um, so, yeah, odds on favorite. So, obviously, Vegas agrees with us. They consulted us, and uh, we said DJ should be the favorite. So, they put him at eight and a half to one because we know what we're talking about. Um, going on the Brooks idea of, like, what was his quote back in the day? He's only competing against like 35 guys. Like half the guys have no shot to win. And then the other like half of that are just going to fold under pressure. So you really had to beat like 35 guys. I wonder what 35 guys are there to win um, using that logic. So my, the one thing I was to your point about like, driving it straight and long. I looked at shots gained T to green for the season last year, which obviously just ended like two weeks ago. And that short list is JT, Hideki, Rom, Morikawa, Rory, Xander, DJ. That's like pretty solid list. I'm surprised Morikawa is up there because he doesn't exactly hit it that long. 
I think he's just super accurate. I think his accuracy helps him get there more. So, I mean, like you said, I don't think he's got the distance, but I think he's got the consistency. He's clearly got the chops to hang around a tournament like this, but he's still young enough that he could fold and buckle under the pressure. It's anything's possible, you know? Um, yeah. It's just a back-to-back majors for him. Like, yeah. I mean, I know he's good, but like, I feel like that's like over his skis a little bit, but like he's got the calm demeanor for it. Yep. I think I saw JT leading the tee to green uh, um, staff. Yeah. And I, the only thing about him is that his drives have been super wildly inconsistent. He's either super on, and when he's off, he is way, way off. Yeah, you know? he gives it the old. He gives it the old. And there's no crowd this year to, like, mat the rough down, like, um, if you miss, like, super big. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. I never, I haven't heard anyone talk about that yet, but that is like, I remember that being an issue, like not an issue, but like in us opens pass, it's like, you'd rather miss the fairway by like 20 yards than two yep. because you might catch a matted down line from the gallery. Like yep. that ain't happening this year. No, nope. no, nope. which is intriguing. Um, so true. But J, but JT, like he's, I know he gets a little wild with the driver, but like, he does everything else. If he if he gets going, like, I mean, not to say that he's gonna shoot under par for the tournament or anybody is. I did on his presser today. He said one thing I do like about his attitude is that he was saying this is one of his favorite U.S. Open courses he's ever played, and he really likes the setup. Did he play in 06? Uh, I don't know if he played in 06, but I'm just saying, I think the question was in the context of like, of all the U.S. Open courses you've played, how does this rank? And he goes, I think it's my favorite. Oh, based on his practice rounds, though? Yeah. Oh. So. Interesting Interesting to go there already that you haven't even started the tournament, but right. could be foreshadowing. Yeah, he says it's going to be tough but fair. He's probably um, Right. Hideki, I mean, the guy's got to win a major in his career, right? I mean, he's that good. Rom, for me personally, I will never bet him until he wins a major because I don't think he's got the patience or the attitude for it. But, uh, yeah, like, I saw him at the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, like, literally, like, punching the shit out of his hand because he hit a bad drive. But, I mean, allegedly he has his anchor under control now, but whatever. I'm not going to lay money on him. Morikawa, maybe. Rory, one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the game. You know what? It, I like Rory at 16-1, to 1, you know. it's. I think nobody was hurt in the game more by the pandemic than Rory. I think Rory could have won every tournament yeah. and had – the biggest lead in the FedEx Cup, no chance that someone could have caught him. Granted, it's only what one or two strokes, however it plays out. But still, it's just that he was on the purest form I've ever seen him on from every aspect of the game. And I'll give him a little nod. You know, maybe he finds a little more motivation after the birth of his first kid. Kind of similar in my vote. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling I mean, it. can't – yeah, I know. You got a couple on the way almost yeah. here, which is – I mean, look at that, like – you got, you got the dad vibes and you just almost careered. Like, you know, maybe Roy will do the same. Like I can, I can put, I could be put a few bucks behind that logic. And I like it. I mean, cause 16 to one is, 
pretty decent odds for a guy that if he for fights, him he can he can we know he can hit it and he can pipe it right down the middle every time and then once he's there he's he's got every aspect of the game going. The thing with him is like obviously notoriously not the greatest putter in the world, but I think that might be neutralized by the fact that this isn't you know a regular tour stop and the greens are kind of crazy anyway. So I think putting, obviously you're going to have to putt well, but we're like a Cantlay who's kind of up there in the ball striking stats is a phenomenal putter. But I think the unknown greens, even though they have the books and all that stuff and they have all the data, um, I think it neutralizes that and kind of favors the ball strikers a little bit more than the good putters. Um, I would think so with just how – I mean, if you're coming out of that rough, you're not putting it within eight to 10 feet. You're going to be 20, 25 feet away. So at that point, you're looking to hopefully two putt anyway. So to your point, I mean, how many of those really long putts are you going to make coming out of the rough? But if you can pipe the perfect drive, have a great approach, Rory has a chance to actually make birdies when people are probably trying to save par, potentially. I don't know how focused he's going to be after Poppy got here, but who knows? Uh, Xander, I think he's he's got he he's always up there in the big tournaments and the majors and WGCs. He's kind of like a Kepka, like never really hear from him on a regular tour event, but he's always up there. Um, seems like he's got the right you know you know middle of the road demeanor, and yep. uh, so kind of I think I feel like he's like same bucket as Rory, like obviously not. A notoriously great putter, but really good ball striker. And on, he, probably on slightly better form right now too, coming into yeah. this, which is helpful. Yeah. Right, fourteen to one versus Xander's fourteen to one odds versus Rory's sixteen to one. That's crazy. Which is very strange. That's why I like Rory at 16, 16 to one. I just think it's a great, a great odd for him going into a tournament. Good, good Rory value. Yes, maybe not 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 field value, but Rory value. Rory value. Uh, speaking of value, nice little segue. Where are some other guys, like not big name guys, uh, that are out there that are value? You know, well, my value, value plays for you. Yeah, my value guys are big names. My value guys are really big names. Oh, really? Tiger, I presume. Tiger at four thousand forty to one. You yeah, know, when's the, when's the last time you get Tiger forty to one? Never. So I mean, <laughs> he's probably got the fewest reps out of anybody. He's played the least, but he's got the oldest body too. So I think not necessarily being super taxed at this time of the year, where most again everyone's relatively fresh, right? Right. But he had a, he had a little break in the FedEx Cup. He had some time off when the other guys were grinding out tournaments and finishing up that little stretch. But talk about a guy that can hit it and hit it everywhere and hit every shot and knows how to play rough and can putt. So if he decides to find some form, you know, you could really, you know, actually I see it at 48 to one on. Um, yeah. He, it depends where you get him. He's either 48 to one, 40 to one, 45 I, to one. I, I saw it 40 to one. I even like him better at 48 to one on Vegas. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, He's in the forties, just depending on what house you're looking at, you know, and then my other one is, um, let me see what the odds are. I think it's both the same at 40 and another 40 to one. Uh, well, Bobata's got it 33 to one, but on base inside of 41, Jason Day. Oh, yeah. 
right? Again, same thing. But he, the big question is, can he stay healthy? If he gets in that rough and has to hack one out of there, is his back going to break? But <laughs> I mean, I mean same, for, same for Tiger too, man. You know, at least his back is fused at this point. He's got <laughs> True. He is bionic. You're right. We know, we know J-Day literally will be in the round to start wincing and, and limping and stretching. And you're like, what happened? You never see it, but somehow something just tweaks. Um, but again, plus distance, super plus putting. And as long as he, his body can hold, he can always put rounds together. I don't actually think he can win. I maybe put him more of a top five, top 10 kind of bet. Yeah. But, but if you wanted to throw, throw a little bit out there again, I'm looking at super value where I, I pick guys that I'm like, they've got game. And like you can throw, you can throw $3 on Jason day and win a hundred, uh, over a hundred dollars. Like when in his career, like he's still a Jason day, like when in his career, can you do that? And same with tiger, you know what I mean? Like sweet. Like they paid me over a hundred bucks and I only had to lay three. Whereas like back in the day and like, you'd have to lay, you know, 15 to get that 12 to get that. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, yeah. you go down the further list and any of the guys at plus 5,000 or more are, are really just crap shoots and, could a Gary Woodland do really well? Sure. Could. Right. I mean, I sent you that tweet earlier. Someone laid, I forget how many tens of thousands on Phil to win $3.3 million. That's just a bet to like. Oh, it's, the, it's, I mean, clearly he had 40, I think it was like 45,000. I'm going to pull it up. It was like $45,000 on. That's just, that's just burning money. That's just to get attention. Like that has nothing to do with actually like winning the bet. But if he wins the bet, it's the greatest bet in the history of bets. True, but it's also like the only reason he's making that bet is because Phil choked last time at Wingfoot. That's here, right? Where he like made double on eighteen. I'm I'm a ten thousand percent sure. I'm not sure. I will Google Phil Mickelson choke U.S. Open and see what pops up. I don't know where that tweet went. But yeah. <laughs> the meltdown at Wingfoot. Mm. Phil Mickelson's five-runner finishes at the U.S. Open, none hurt worse than his collapse at Wingfoot. Yeah, I think he went to the final hole with like a one-shot lead. And... Blew it like so far left off the tee, tried to hit a heroic shot, um, fucked around the green and, you know, made double. Thanks for, thanks for playing. It's a bad day. Hey, you know, I mean, so that's why I think that's why that guy makes that bet. I mean, sure. it's just, if, but you I, got, if you got 45 grand to burn, you're not worried about money. No, I remember the payout and cause Phil's the one who commented on the tweet. He, he heard someone lay 40-some grand on him at whatever odds they were getting. And the payout would have been like $3.3 million. Um, right. Hopefully for both Phil and the better that hopefully he's got a three sh- – oh, he said that. He goes, hopefully I have a three-shot lead going into 18. He actually said <laughs> he's got a little bit of uh, – well, we know he's got a sense of humor. So he, but, he remembers. Oh, I don't think anyone – how could you forget that if that's you? But the rest of the guys on the list did anything bigger. I mean, they hit too short. Was, the course is too long. I mean, it's, it's – I, 
R70. That's, that's, that's a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had JDA and Tiger on my value watch list. Um, obviously I like Fowler. You do, uh, but I just don't see him getting it done this weekend. It's easy for my, me because he can't not get it done, but he's your my he- It's my heavy bias pick, man. I know it is. The dude, the dude drives it well. He puts it lights out. He just, he avoids the flared iron every now and again, like ball game. Um, Burgers, Daniel Berger. Uh, I'd even pick Hatton before I'd pick Fowler. And granted, the odds are different. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's bullshit. I would. That's bullshit. I would take Hatton. But it's funny. I've had a a Hatton bias. Never really paid out, but in our one-and-done leagues and stuff, the times I pick Hatton, I've almost always liked his game. I don't, don't ask me why. I have nothing to back it up. No stats, no nothing. I just, for some reason, find me gravitating towards him when I see good odds. We'll see. Hey, that if you're if you're gonna if you like money on Hatton, you're gonna like money on Rom, the two biggest friggin' hotheads out there. I love Rom. I always love Rom. <laughs> I don't. I really rarely will bet him to win, but Rom is like my spirit animal, right? Short swing, pudgy belly, super <laughs> anger. All of my MOs, complete traits. He is literally my guy. Everything about him is is me on course. Outside of the fact that he actually scores really well, but I scored really well, so it could be the time where it all comes together. Yeah, if, but but if he but if he never has you, a shot, then he never has anything to get mad at. So he might just win, but he might go five under and win by ten. Could happen anywhere but a U.S. Open. <laughs> no, I know there's too much anywhere but a U.S. Open. There's too much trouble to get into. But again, he's he's on good form. Clearly, he has super distance, plus putting, great approach, good feel. You know, he's prone to make the mistake, and as long as the mistake doesn't snowball into everything else, you never know. Right. Um, I like Daniel Berger, friend of the pod. Mike Calkin, uh, at the same club. Um, so Berger's just like a bulldog. Can get it going too. He's been playing really well this year. Um, and someone to keep an eye on. I think he'll I think I think he'll be up there. Definitely worthy of like a top twenty pick or top ten pick. Can't lay. We mentioned him earlier. Sneaky, sneaky up there. Shots game, Tita Green. Phenomenal putter. Um, he'll probably grind out. You know, something as well. The big sleeper pick, Corey Connors. Also, is a heavy bias pick. Canadian, also a friend of the pod, Ryan Kings. Uh, knows knows Corey Connors and says he's an absolute friggin' ball-striking machine. It's just the putter. Can't figure it out every so often. So, uh, I like awesome ball strikers at U.S. Opens. And like we said earlier, but, uh, you know, putting maybe not as big of a key this week. And at 200 to one, play all five, make a G, you never know. I like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so who of everyone we talked about, who do you think you're going to lay a couple dollars on? I mean, I think the smart money, the worst odds and the smart money is on Dustin. So I think you lay 
more units on him than anybody. Assuming I think, you yeah, believe I think, it. I think, I think this is one of those things where, like, I've always wondered about this strategy, and it's probably a losing strategy long run, but it's fun to do. DJ is eight and a half to one. You lay a unit on him, so lay a dollar on him or whatever your unit is, uh, and then pick seven, and he's like the hedge, right? And then pick seven other people. And then if DJ wins, great. And if not, hopefully you have, you know, seven of using Brooks Kepka's math of the 35 to make a score. So if, if that's the case, like you're looking at 20%, like you only have to hit it 20% of the time using Brooks Kepka math to make, so you need five to one, you're getting more than five to one on everybody else. Yep. So if we're talking, I mean, you and I are, we love, we love the poker. We know what pot odds are. I mean, using that math, like, that kind of makes sense. Like, you're getting way better in 5-1. to one. You're getting way better in pot odds if you if you go with that strategy. Yeah, if you use him as your head, yep. I mean, like, like you said, JT's clearly my number two. Uh, I favor Rory, again, if he can find his form. I just don't know where he's at right now. I agree. Uh, but then I, I love my two long shots of Tiger and J-Day, again, if they can stay healthy and, and – I don't think there's any concern with Tiger's health at this point. I haven't heard anything or saw anything, but I know J-Day is tenuous at best on every given tournament. You just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, it wasn't it two weeks ago he withdrew? I think it was maybe three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. No, he's he's, he's most creeps up on him. uh, He's also, like, withdrawn and, like, won the next week, too. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's so – it's almost like a trick back. Like, it's really, really goofy. I mean, I guess a, a pivot from J Day. If you're worried about his health, if you're talking about ball strikers, is Adam Scott, right? Yeah, best ball striker, one of the best ball strikers on tour. Just pures. He uh, he um, at Olympia Fields during the playoffs, like he was up there for a bit, wasn't he? I think so. I'm not positive, but and they were and they were talking about that was kind of like U.S. Open setup. Yeah, forty to one odds. You know, good value there. Interesting. Kind of looking there because I, I think you go much further past that, and I mean Vegas knows what they're doing, and you might strike gold or you know. So your set your seven are JT, Rory, DJ, J Day, Tiger. That's five. You need two more. Fine, whatever you want. I mean, I love his edge, but not here. Um, Hatton, and then who else? You got one more. Yeah, we'll go with Adam Scott. No, let's go. Let's go. Let's take a flyer. Let's go. Let's go further down the list. <laughs> further down the list. Let's, let's go. Let's go. One hundred fifty to one. I gotta go with a bulldog. Let's go, Bubba. Let's just go, Bubba. You know what? Oh boy. Zero percent. Oh boy. Oh boy. There's a zero percent chance. Call it Vegas because they're they're giving them they're giving them a little bit of a shot. I'm wearing it right here. This literally is all it's all right here on my shirt. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Go with the Bulldogs. Who who else at 150 to one has a shot of winning U.S. Open along with Bubba Watson? We have Billy Howe, Ez Reeve, Henrik Stenson, Ian Poulter. Matt Kuchar, short, 
Rasmus, whoever he is, Sebastian Munoz, and Sibu Kim. No. Wow, Ben Huna on seven. 170 to one. That's crazy. All right. That's a good seven. I'm going JT, Rory, DJ, Berger, Fowler, Xander, mm. and Corey Connors. Hammers are a good one, too. Those are my seven. Stu's, Stu's picks, who can't be here. Um, he only has four and uh he just won a flyer from us he's put it he's doing a ten dollar strategy uh he's putting half of it on dj he's throwing oh sorry no five seven ten he's doing a thirteen dollar strategy so apparently he has thirteen dollars in his account five dollars on dj three dollars on his homer tiger uh Three dollars on Xander, and then I gave him the Connors for two bucks. So, yeah, that's it. That's uh, those are our picks. Obviously, deep, uh, deep, deep, deep analytics by us. Uh, you know, don't don't come to us when they lose. I like throwing darts. I'm good at darts. Or, or I mean, we're using like you know retail betting logic, which is fine. And it might work out. We're not, again, we don't have to put a team together. You just need one to hit. That's right. And uh, all the guys that we pick probably appreciate the fact that we picked them and show some confidence in them. And uh, if we hit, then, you know, the Cannonball Golf gambling show, you know, is 100% and we have to start selling our picks. True. I I'm mean, expensive. yeah, I mean, super expensive. I mean, I don't know if anyone will be able to afford it, Inclu including any future ad sponsorships, any partners that want to want to, you know, sponsor sponsor the show. But, you know, I don't know who has pockets that deep. I think of a couple, but probably not. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows with the gambling the gambling, uh, you know, world looks like right now, which looks pretty great to me. Getting I mean, bigger. It's only getting bigger. It's not getting smaller. It ain't going away. We'll put it that way. I heard them talking about it being a bubble on CNBC. I was slightly offended. Wait, what? <laughs> With the whole DraftKings, Penn Gaming, all that stuff, they said, based on stock price, like, it seems kind of like a bubble. I was deeply offended as, or, a, as an investor, full disclosure, an investor of both of them. I was wholly offended that I don't think it's a bubble because I am a very recreational gambler. And for my circle of people that I know, I know they like to gamble a whole lot more. <laughs> so I don't think it's a bubble on any level. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the, uh, maybe the suits over at, uh, CNBC are severely undervalued, underestimating the uh, the business of the gambling world. There was something about sports gambling in in Europe where they actually had to call back advertising because the levels of addiction were rising so fast. 
they stopped advertising. They like outlawed advertising. It might've been the UK. I don't know. Don't like, uh, out, like, don't like outlawed a- advertising. Like we outlawed like smoking advertising. We didn't outlaw, but you got to put the disclaimer. Oh, maybe we did outlaw. I don't know. No, anyway, there, there, there's no such thing as like yeah. cigarette commercials or cigarette no, billboards no. anymore. Yeah. So yeah, no, theoretically, that's what I heard. I don't quote me on it. I was just regurgitating uh, what I heard, but I was shocked. It just tells you the level of tiny little place like the UK has. Them addicts. Think of this country. Trouble. Yeah, but that's like trouble. But there were grounds at casinos when they reopened at five in the morning. Yeah, but Bush like Hugh Hammond had a line of eighty cars. That's awesome. That's great. That's, that's good. Why, that's why it's not getting smaller. Well, in terms of sports gambling, it's just taking you know part of the black market out of it. So mm-hmm. it's like so now they're going to have the data to be like, oh, there is a gambling addiction when you couldn't say anything. I mean. They have like gamblers anonymous and stuff but like they didn't have the data to like prove anything because it was all underground or at least sports betting was i mean obviously there's vegas and all that stuff so i guess i'm remiss to go that far but in terms of sports gambling outside of vegas and atlantic city like people are doing it anyway now you just know that they're doing it fine take commercials away i don't give a shit I don't, I don't think any gambler really gives a shit if they're advertised to. We just want to know what the bonuses are to sign up to get a new account at DraftKings and FanDuel. And then when I get my bonus, I'm just going to, you know, close my account and go over to Penn slash Barstool anyway and never go back. So, I mean. Love Penn Gaming. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, Blue Horseshoe loves Penn Gaming. Chinatown loves pen gaming. If 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 Chinatown you yourself and Blue Blue Horseshoe loves pen gaming, then who's not to love pen gaming? I mean, the old uh, what was the text from Stu like a couple months ago when Penn and uh, DraftKings were both at like thirty five bucks? Any tech, you know? Because obviously I've been a big proponent of Penn over. The other, I mean, there's enough room for everybody. Everyone's going to make money. But obviously, with the bar stool, since, you know, Penn owns 37% of a media company and, you know, Caesars doesn't own 37% of a media company and DraftKings hasn't given out 37%. DraftKings isn't a media company. And neither is FanDuel. Nope. Um, that's always my lean back argument. Um. Yeah, Stu said, targeted me in the text saying, pick one. And I'm like, well, obviously Penn. And Penn's been beating the shit out of DraftKings ever since. I'll find the text. I'll find the date. But they were literally like, same, whatever this, the price was, 35 bucks, 30, it was somewhere in the 30s. Penn hasn't been there in a long time. Nope. Ain't going back either. Nope. The only way it does go back is that they split it. Or if it does, we'll buy more. <laughs> split the stock. Split it down to thirty-five. We'll buy it again. True. <laughs> I mean, so it almost hit seventy day, sixty-nine ninety-nine today, baby. Is that daily high? It hit sixty-nine ninety-nine earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> almost at seventy. Good ROI. 
to the moon. Yeah. All right. ROI is pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right, Randy. Appreciate you joining us. Yep. Uh, the first episode ever of Cannonball Golf Gambling Show. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll think of a better name as we go. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, you can owe me. I owe you nothing.